0: Welcome to Wild Game Dynasties Podcast, episode number 15, March 13th, 2019. Well folks, we have a great podcast today. Um, Yeah, they're all special. All of our podcasts had special people. Um, This is no exception. Um, and maybe uh, this person might strike a chord with some of you out there. Uh, actually probably quite a few of it, you out there. If you're a uh, bear hunter or looking to uh, put in for a bear tag, um, yeah, maybe in Michigan, but maybe you're looking to hunt somewhere else as well or, or whatever the situation is. Uh, if you're a hunter of any kind, uh, this gentleman here is going to uh, going to uh, spark spark a uh, fire inside you, I think, at least he did for me. Um, he's going to probably chat about some things that uh, are going to make us think about, uh, well, his topic today is the future of bear hunting here in Michigan. At least that is my take on the topic. Um, When this gentleman uh, uh, talks about anything to do with hunting, he backs it up with facts. And um, I guess that's why why I decided to uh, bring on Richard P. Smith. Richard is a, uh, a resident of Marquette, Michigan and uh, yeah, probably right now he's probably wishing it would, the uh, snow would start would start melting and if I look at the uh, forecast on uh, weather.com up there and yeah, they may get a couple of days this year to start melting all of a sudden here, but uh, I think they got snow up there if I was reading something correctly. Um, a lot of municipalities uh, Uh, have uh, lost places to put the snow so they're probably uh, hoping that uh, they're going to get some uh, warm-ups like we have down here in the mid-Michigan area. Anyways, hey without uh, getting into uh, any other uh, things uh, my my introduction to Richard P. Smith or about Richard P. Smith was, uh, I know he's authored many many books, videos, um, I've read some of his books, viewed some of his videos, uh, exceptional material, exceptional. I really enjoy his uh, material and that's part of the reason why he's here. I know the rest of us uh, um, out there always enjoy getting relative content. Uh, he conti- continues to contribute to a- countless honey magazines, outdoor magazines, um, I see him at some trade shows. Uh, there's always a lineup of people uh, looking to pick up a book and, go, of course, get Richard to sign it. Um, I look at Richard as a you know kind of a hunter's advocate. He's he's that guy that sticks to his message despite any naysayers. He's not going to back down if he if he feels uh, strong about something, um, about the truth uh, that he sees. That he's going to stick to that and. Um, if there's, he's in a debate with you all, you're going to have to prove to him uh, Contrary to what he's uh, his message is before he's going to change it um, There's no uh, backroom deals backroom handshakes with Richard um, And you know what as a uh, hunter here in Michigan as an outdoor enthusiast here in Michigan I think myself and the rest of us Really especially lately really really appreciate a person such as that so uh, um you know i have talked to a, a lot of people that you know i remember a, a quote from a guy says they always or he always enjoys uh, listening to richard's unvarnished truth and i guess that that kind of summed it up when i you know when i uh, looked up a uh, comment that a guy made uh, uh, about richard boy is that ever true and that's a great that's a great attribute so um, today's topic is uh, maybe uh maybe uh, boil down to the future of uh, bear hunting in Michigan, well without further. Hey Richard, this is Gary Morgan giving you a call, uh, appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to take the call. No problem Gary, I always enjoy talking hunting. Yeah, absolutely, I mean we're looking outside and it's uh, well I don't know, early to mid-March where I'm at, Bay City area and um, well, why don't you uh, give me a a little uh, bird's-eye view of maybe what where you're at and uh, what kind of weather you're looking at?
1: Well, I'm looking at, I'm in Marquette, and I'm looking at record snow depth here in Marquette. Uh, the snow is deeper in my front yard than I've ever seen it. I've lived here more than 50 years, and uh, we've got a tremendous snow depth this year. Most
0: of it came in February. Wow. Uh, the winter, December, and January wasn't bad at all. Wow. I'm i re- sure went out well in February. Yeah, I remember that too. I remember being up there at the, you know, at the end of November uh, during deer season. I'm thinking, hey, this is might work out quite nice for the deer.
1: Yeah, it started out that way,
0: but yeah. if this hangs on, if we have a late spring uh, into April, we could lose a lot of deer. Wow, has there been any uh, any groups, any whitetail groups, or even the DNR that has uh, given any predictions on this? I know it's too early, but uh Well, they're saying basically the same thing. If winter hangs on into April, well into April, there's going to be significant deer losses. Okay. But the snow depth is
1: so bad this winter that the DNR started issuing uh, supplemental feeding permits in the southern UP uh, just recently.
0: Oh, no kidding. Wow. So that southern area, is that like the Menominee-Dickinson County then? Yeah,
1: except... They're, they're not issuing any feeding permits for the chronic wasting disease management zone, which is in Dickinson County. Uh, that's where the first deer with the disease was identified in the
0: U.P., ah, in Dickinson okay. County. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense, I guess, uh, based off what uh, I'm familiar with, how they operate. Uh, um, I guess uh, before we get too uh, in-depth on some, uh, well, we could talk... Uh, Different aspects of hunting, including deer hunting, boy, until the wee hours of the night. But uh, I, I got something from you uh, that really intrigued me, and it caused me to uh, bring up this topic. Really, and I think our listeners um, are very interested in that. Oh, I'm going to give them a little clue on because our permit process for our to receive an application or consider an application comes in in May, and that's. Yes, exactly. Can you can you maybe uh, expand on that uh, letter that I saw? It was uh, I think you drafted a letter addressing to the uh, Natural Resource Commission.
1: Correct. And the Natural Resources Commission will be—they have their uh, March meeting coming up next week—that uh, they will be deciding on bear license quotas for the next two years, 19... 19 2019 and 2020 uh, license quotas will be the same for both years, and they base their recommendations. The de- department has recommended, basically reducing bear licenses in the UP and increasing them uh, some in the in the northern Lower Peninsula. And I think it's I think they also need to be increased bear license quotas for the UP because the bear population estimates the department is working from when they made these estimates is two years out of date. Um, they, made an est- they make an estimate using data from hunter harvest of black bears in the state, uh, plugging in information about the ages of the animals taken and the sex of the animals taken and how many and um, the, their most recent bear population estimate for the UP is 10,799 bears that are at least a year old and that estimate is uh, for September 1st, 2017 and there have been yearlings added to the population two years, 2018 and 2019. Uh, sense that estimate, and I think it's important to figure out the potential population for 2019 when setting bear license quotas for this year and next year. Uh, Doing some simple math, uh, the DNR has a chart that shows how the bear population has increased in the UP. They show Animals between 2016 and 2017. So you can assume the UP bear population. population in the U.P. of animals at least a year old of 12,600 animals. That's more realistic number to be looking at for setting bear license quotas. I'm concerned that if the bear license quotas aren't increased for the U.P. to harvest more bears, we're going to have a rash of nuisance lose a high percentage of the fawns that are produced to black bears. There is a predator-prey study ongoing in the UP that's been going for a number of years and they've confirmed that in the medium and high snowfall areas in the UP uh, bears that are at least a year old kill between one and three fawns each. And that's an average. Other research that's been done previously shows that some adults black bears can kill as many as six or seven fawns in one season. So if we don't do something to increase the bear harvest, we're going to lose a lot of fawns to, to black bears
0: and potentially have a lot of nuisance complaints besides. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm not a uh, math whiz, but like you say, I mean, you start doing the math on that, that's, you know, low estimates. It's yeah, that's 30, the minimum number. It's right. pretty simple calculations. Yeah, I mean, we're probably talking, uh, well, easy, 35, probably 40-plus thousand fawns. That the, the current bear population would kill. That's correct. <laughs> Just bear population. Now, I remember at that at a bear forum a few years back, I mean, two, three years back, the it was a surprise revelation to me based on a study that indicated that Bears were not the largest uh, taker of fawns. In other words, uh, there's another predator. I think they identified the bobcat, which was kind of a surprise. But you look at that and, the, uh, the of course, the, the canines, the, the wolves and the coyotes.
1: Right. In the low snowfall zone in the U.P., they found that black bears didn't kill as many fawns as they did in the medium and high snowfall zones. Uh, coyotes and bobcats were more important predators on
0: fawns in the low snowfall zone. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Where the, where the first study was done. Yeah, that's and interesting. Coyotes certainly play a role in the other areas of UP also, but bears are right up there with coyotes yeah. as far as the number of fawns they kill in in the medium and high snowfall zones. If uh, if the NRC is uh, and they are entrusted and uh, and authorized to make this de- decision. What will they make that dis- their decision on, basically?
1: Well, they'll they'll certainly look at the recommendations from the department. Uh, but uh, hopefully, they'll take into account other input they get as well, such as my letter. Yeah. Uh, putting forth some solid information. Uh, They've got uh, from the department, and one thing that's important uh, for your listeners to understand is that we had a um, bear specialist with the
0: DNR. Uh, Kevin Swanson was a bear specialist for a number of years. Yes, I'm familiar he, with him. He recently him. left the department okay. for another position,
1: and they've named an interim person. did come from Kevin before he left his position with the DNR, but it was based on population estimates from 2017. It was not based on population estimates or potential population estimates from 2019, which is what I think the commission
0: needs to be considering. When When the DNR does population estimates, um, you know, I, I have some ideas on maybe how they do that, but uh, I guess without knowing for sure, I'd be asking, I'd be asking you that to explain for our listeners how would they estimate those populations with a with a degree of accuracy that's probably as good as we can get.
1: required to register that animal with the department within 72 hours. And a tooth is taken from each of those bears that are registered so that the age of that animal can be determined. And when you register the bear, you also note the sex of the animal and where it was harvested. All of this, the DNR has this type of data going back uh, many years. not sure how far back, but they take all of that data and they plug it into a computer model and to come up with a population, potential population that would have produced the harvest that was achieved during 2016, 2015, and they work from there.
0: Uh, using that data from the hunter harvest yeah the one question that comes to mind i should say one question one concern that comes to mind is um by using that data which obviously they've got to come up with a, a method that's as good as they can come up with and um and i understand that one, one that's easily obtainable etc but i'll look at last year i mean you know i, I guide in the up uh, that eastern UP. Uh, I guess, uh, to the west of 75, Mackinac, Chippewa County. Um, mm-hmm. We had some challenges. We had some real challenges. And the year before, we had some challenges, but not quite as much. Now, you know, the hunters got frustrated, but uh, they understood that, you know, the baits were getting hit sporadically. Instead of getting hit, you know, four out of five days, they were getting hit, you know, one out of every four days. and um, And the bears that, you know, were just infrequent to our baits, And And that's typical for a year when there's abundant natural food. Ah, there we go. Okay. During years when there's lots of
1: beech nuts, lots of acorns, lots of wild cherries, um, and other foods that bears prefer, you're competing with that food source. And in areas where there's
0: a number of other hunters, you're competing with the food that they're using as well. Yeah, so if if we're using that data or that methodology... And we have a low harvest, which was last year. I mean not a significant but a, a measurable amount and saying, hey, that must be there's less bears wherein and in in what you're saying is no, not so fast. It's probably more you know the, the low bear harvest was more so because of the uh, natural foods. And actually we're gonna get a skewed uh, a skewed data is what you're saying.
1: Have sporadic visits on baits or nocturnal visits on baits because bears prefer those natural foods that's what they're used to yeah so they'll utilize those natural foods first and then go to baits afterward if they
0: go at all if they're getting enough natural foods they're not going to visit baits at all right uh, if right. they're still hungry they're more apt to go to baits after dark but it's illegal to hunt if but, bears Yeah, and I mean, wouldn't that give the DNR some, if they're using that methodology previously discussed, it seems like that's going to throw their their count their, through by the means of their own process off. And if it's done over a couple of years of uh, uh, an abundant of natural food, they, if they're using it based off just of um, hunter harvest, they're getting some skewed numbers through their own methodology. Gotcha. They use averages. Yeah, gotcha. I see what you're saying. So, so, when they're using 10 or 20 years worth of data, yes, there's going to be a high
1: harvest, there's going to be low harvest, but when you average it all together, it evens out.
0: Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you were just using just a few years worth of data, yes, you would really have skewed information. Aside maybe what I mentioned, are there other aspects of the methodology involved in doing this that have some inherent um, faults not intentional but you know I'm just saying so I'm not trying to you know, jab the DNR I'm just you know kinda we're in a talking point on this so are there some areas that they need to consider that maybe have not been considered or um, it seems like too if you're using old data for future counts, I mean we always have to look at the past to know where we're going in the future, but if you're looking at something a couple of years old already and applying that data to research to find out what we're going to do two years down the road, it just seems like, uh, I don't know, it's already stale. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I remember you reached out to the hunters, uh, myself being one of them and having a, you know, several trail cameras out because we're, we're guiding some bear hunts. So we had, you know, a, a decent amount of data. Right. And that made a lot of sense to me just because, you know, we can't ignore what we're seeing and what we're experiencing out there. We might as well use what's available. Well, I would agree I mean uh, I remember pulling trail cameras on a couple of baits and of course abandoning the baits because we had a sow and two cubs and a sow and three cubs and uh but what it, that data provided some valuable information and that geez we're seeing the future uh very positive numbers uh you know out there I mean there were cubs not not something we're gonna focus on honey we weren't at all we abandoned those baits but it it, you know, put a smile on my face saying, hey, uh, things are doing okay out there. Yeah, but if those cubs that are being photographed on cameras in the fall, those
1: are the animals that are most likely to be added to the, popu- the next year's population that are a year old or more than a
0: year old. Right, and absolutely. The next,
1: the next yearlings
0: added to the population. Yeah. So and I, I think the numbers of yearlings being
1: added to the population is much higher uh, than their estimates are showing. However, you do have to subtract the bear harvest every year, so that's a negative, the number of bears hunters take. Uh, But I don't think they're adding in as many yearlings as are actually being added to the population over and above what was harvested.
0: Well, let let me shift gears a tiny bit, but still on the same topic. Are we seeing... Well, dare I, dare I blame the wolves? I mean, I don't want to blame them for everything. They're uh, they're a part of God's creation, but uh, are we seeing in our upper peninsula, or are we hearing about uh, bears in their dens being uh, molested and killed by our, our wolf population? Well, certainly they
1: do prey on bears in dens when they get the opportunity, and wolves do prey on cubs and yearling black bears when they can catch them. Uh, wolves can grab them. But certainly they they do prey on some. They are successful in killing some cubs and yearlings. And then they prey on uh, some bears and dead. Uh There's not a whole lot of information available uh, at what predation rate the wolves
0: prey on bears. But they are a factor. Right. I remember, you know, I'm, I take it with a grain of salt whenever it comes over the internet via social media or something like that but at the same time sometimes you know it's still information that needs to be taken into consideration there was a gentleman that sent me a a picture of a, he shared it, of a link uh, of a bear den in in the Upper Peninsula they were running their beagles for rabbits uh, for snowshoes and they came across uh, just an enormous amount of blood and of course they paused and the dogs were, you know, really on point type thing and barking, and and there were uh, bear. You can see the the uh, a lot of black bear hair and even some uh, parts. Now, mm-hmm. now that could, picture could have been posted, and it could have been falsified. But at the same time, you know, that made me kind of pause and say, "Hey, that you know, how would we ever know when that happens?" Yeah, well, it has
1: been documented. Uh, among radio-collared uh, black bears or radio-collared wolves. There have been studies involving both animals where radio-collared wolves have been monitored, and they've those radio-collared animals have killed bears in dens, and researchers have gone to that den to verify that. And they've also had radio-collared bears that have been killed by wolves, and it's been verified that way. From different locations, I've not heard of a specific case in the Upper Peninsula where wolves have preyed on bears, but I know it happens. Uh, I would have liked to have uh, seen the photos that you saw. Yeah. And know know where in the UP
0: that took place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, beagles or hounds, or well, I guess I'm shifting to, you know, the, one of the few organizations private organizations that I'm aware of that seems to get heavily involved in um, our political battles you know they've done some great things and I mean they've put some uh, money to in, into some uh, efforts to fight uh, for our hunting rights but at the same time sometimes we myself not agreeing with everything that they do that would be our Michigan Bear Hunters Association Where are they, or if you're aware of at all, where are they with this latest data, and have they they addressed the NRC with their opinions? Uh,
1: Most definitely, they've addressed the Natural Resources Commission uh, with their input. They're very active, politically active and active in uh, managing black bears in Michigan. And I'm a life member of the Michigan Bear Hunters Association, much of what the organization does, but like you, I don't always agree with their position or their opinion on issues. Uh, Based on my knowledge and what I've read about the Michigan Bear Hunters Association, they are generally opposed.
0: Uh, They would like to see the bear population increase, and they have no target goal in mind. They just want to see more bears. (laughs) That was my next question is, with their opinions being shared to the NRC, is it just an opinion or is it based off some, I mean, have they commissioned a study done privately or have they... uh, brought some money towards the DNR to do a a, you know a a better study we always know that you know those studies come with a price tag and they're not cheap so I mean has that been done that way or is it just uh no opinions no it's, it's opinion based on their hunting
1: effort and as we discussed previously with regard to bait hunting success when you have abundant natural foods it reduces hunting success over bait. But it does the same for hunting with hounds as well. Many hound hunters start their hunts from baits and when you have abundant natural food, you're not gonna have bears coming as regularly to baits as during years when there's poor natural food. And a lot of hound hunters also check woods roads for where bears have crossed. When there's abundant natural food, bears don't need to travel as much Uh, they frequently have fewer chases and are, have lower success during years when there's abundant natural food. It may tend to blame it on lower bear numbers, which is not accurate. Uh, the DNR data clearly shows.
0: I keep using that term shifting gears but uh, you know same topic but there was a discussion um, or an ongoing discussion maybe this is just a recycled discussion but I would certainly support the idea of considering maybe the DNR re-examining our bear management units as far as uh, we'll just use uh, You know, the red oak, or use any of them, and say those boundaries that encompass that bear management unit is it still relative, or should we redesign that? Bears are very well populated in a segment of that unit, but maybe, you know, 100 miles or 200 miles in another direction, or say 150 miles, maybe that population is much different, maybe a lot lower. The habitat, food sources change, whatever. I, I often thought that. I, I often thought that seems to be maybe a, a point of discussion that should warrant uh, you know a lot more discussion.
1: Yeah, that is a topic that's been brought up numerous times uh, by various bear hunters who think the management units we have currently are too large. The red oak is one example, but most of the bear management units in the UP, such as Dewberry Unit, uh, the barriga Unit, those are all very large bear management units. Um, and various hunters have brought up the topic of reducing the size of those or changing the boundaries, and the department has been hesitant to do so. Uh, I don't think there has
0: been any effort uh, to change those boundaries. Yeah, I guess I would, in my... Uh non-biology-backed uh um education in other words i'm not a biologist uh and i don't play one on tv or whatever but uh um i'd have to agree based off being in the woods a lot um particularly in the fall and uh having uh, uh you know a few handfuls of hunters each year um things change and maybe that might be a i hope that's i hope that's uh I hope that's examined by the DNR. I'm sure it has been, but at least uh, given a, a real, real uh, stiff thought process going into that, saying, hey, is this yeah. another component that can really help us refine our methodologies? I wouldn't want that job, I guess, of uh, trying to figure out what is the best method, but um, hey there's, no matter what method we use, there's always room to uh, improve that method, and uh, yeah. and why not keep examining that?
1: I know that was part of the discussion at the bear forum meeting at which the uh, new bear management plan was being discussed, uh, but I don't know that that's going to be part of the new management plan. That yeah. that uh, those units be modified.
0: Richard, uh, I guess too is you know I'm looking at our podcast. We've we've had a really uh, really a nice discussion on this and some new information I think for our listeners. Some of it was new that I wasn't aware of, and not to say I'm always on top of of our uh, information concerning uh, black bears in Michigan, but I guess kind of wrapping things up or at least uh, circling that wagon of discussion, where do you see us if, that's a kind of a crystal ball thing, but are you seeing bear hunting in the state of Michigan um, improving, remaining the same, I guess, what, where are you seeing us headed? What is our three- to five-year outlook?
1: Well, I hope to see it improving in terms of providing more hunters the opportunity to hunt bears in Michigan. And that can be done very easily by increasing the permit quotas. Uh, prior to 2012, Michigan was issuing between 11,000 and 12,000 bear licenses per year and we were harvesting more than 2,000 bears per year statewide, and the population was staying fairly stable at that harvest level. And far more people were having an opportunity to hunt, and you didn't have to wait as long to draw a permit. I would like to see those permit quotas boosted up back to what they were in 2011, uh, because uh, the Department could Uh, there were concerns about the bear population declining in 2012 that's why they reduced bear license quotas not long after that they found out that the data that was used to come up with that information was faulty there was some false information and the population was not declining at all it was stable to increasing and it has been that it's been increasing since 2012 so there's no reason why we can't go back The quotas that were in effect in 2011 are close to those numbers to provide more hunters the opportunity to hunt bears and to enjoy the resource, hunting resource we have. And even at those levels, the bear population will continue to increase or remain stable. It's not going to decline. And uh, if we go that route, I see that as a very positive step.
0: in improving bear hunting industry. that's a that's a uh, very nice outlook and I think uh, I'd agree um, it just it makes sense um, of course that's a statement that's easily made by me but uh, <laughs> uh, you know some of the uh, data that we have can be teamed up with other data that you know may not be in consideration and use everything we've got and come up with an improved method and uh, move forward and even if uh, we were to change and increase it, the quota a little bit and and examine that data again and, and use the data that is maybe uh, a little more current, I don't know if that's I mean it's easy for me to say, I'm sure it's more difficult but it seems like using 2017 data, it's valuable data but we're into 2019, it seems like we'd be able to examine what happened last year.
1: Yeah. Well, I, if the department starts plugging into uh, trail camera and game camera information from hunters, that will help generate some current information. And as far as cup production, uh, if nothing else, that's going to be valuable. I, I hope to see that happening as well. Yeah. And um, if you look at Wisconsin... Wisconsin has less uh, wooded habitat suitable for black bears than Michigan does. Uh, yet they harvest between 2,000 and 3,000 bears per year, and they're issuing between 11,000 and 12,000 licenses per year currently. Uh, there's no reason why we can't do it
0: as well here in Michigan like we were previously. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely. All it takes is- all it takes is two or three years trial basis to bump up those permit quotas and show that it's not going to reduce bear numbers. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. That's it, what I'd like to see. Yeah, absolutely. We can all uh, learn by sharing, and why not uh, take what's working somewhere else and see if it can apply in our own uh, situation. I'm confident it would. Yeah. We just need the, the people who make the to realize that as well. Yeah absolutely absolutely and I yeah, i am the first person to say that uh, some of my suggestions are just that not taken in consideration the financial resources not to say it, other resources that are at, at play or absent to be able to contribute to that thus we just don't have the personnel don't have the money to expand ourselves to that point but I guess I'm at that situation or that point where um, if we have some organizations out there sitting on some uh... membership monies maybe that's where we could all lock arms instead of uh... you know saying this or that let's, let's put it towards a a logical uh... comprehensive study scientific study or at least take the study that the DNR is doing and say hey what what do, you, what do you guys see that needs to improve and let's put some financial resources behind it and let's get some better data. Yeah,
1: well, I think some some financial assistance that you're referring to could be used by the department to come up with a statistical formula to utilize uh, bears photographed on cameras. Yeah. I, I know the predator-prey study is using trail cameras in some, uh, parts of their study to come up with some estimates of uh, bear density and deer density in the study areas. Whatever information they're using there to, m- to make estimates can be applied to game
0: cameras for bear uh, and collect that data. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, uh, we hope that uh, uh, each year it gets a little bit better and we hope that this is uh, some information that Via your letter that you drafted and other other folks, that the uh, Natural Resource Commission has uh, a plethora of information, we'll say, so that their decision moving forward for the next few years um, that applies to how the DNR implements uh, their their hunt quotas, you know, is their best foot forward, and I'm sure it is. I'm, sure, I'm hoping that they understand that there are pieces of information that may not be a part of that study that should be. And, uh, yeah. hey, moving forward with that, then, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, they, we always have to have hope, and uh, without hope we have not a lot uh, of, uh, of stuff out there. I mean, so we have to uh, entrust uh, that, you know, bet our best decisions are moving forward, even if last year we learned that, you know, we made some mistakes, and we know that those are not to be made moving forward. Uh, with with that in mind, uh, um, what are some what are some challenges uh, that the state of Michigan? Um, I guess that's kind of an open open-ended question, but you know, I'm looking at my list of questions that we talked about, and you know, I, I looked at w- when you first began in this in this business or opportunity that we have of hunting michigan black bear or hunting whitetails or hunting whatever we feel so passionate about um what did you used to see as the challenges are you seeing the challenges of old still being the challenges of new or are we seeing a a whole new thing of uh challenges out there for our our dnr and our and our hunters well
1: the new challenges i the Michigan Bear Hunters Association, which are shared by the U.P. Houndsman's Association and the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation. These are all three primarily hound hunting groups. They've taken a position where they want to keep license quotas at a low level and allow the bear population to increase. Um, I formerly was the editor of the Bear Hunters Association newsletter and involved in providing information to members through that newsletter. Previously, the organization had a position that they wanted to see as many bear hunters get an opportunity to hunt bears as possible. Uh, I've seen that p- position shift. Uh, 360 to where they're now supporting fewer hunters having the opportunity to hunt every year because they're issuing fewer licenses. They want fewer licenses issued. Um, that's a challenge in my opinion that it's based on uh, their position that they think the population is declining even though DNR data clearly shows it's increasing and the fact that License quotas have decreased dramatically since 2012. It's only common sense that bears would increase with less hunting pressure. I think it's a, it's challenge to get beyond that point where we've got hunting groups wanting fewer hunters in the field. That that is a negative, in my opinion. I'd like to see that
0: reversed. Yeah, we need we need to uh, oh we need to come to some common ground on that with all of us including uh... those in membership at the or those that are you know chiefly houndsmen, because those are a really important component of our hunting heritage in this in this state of michigan But the last thing we need is to be at odds with each other and uh, but at the same time it's like a buddy of mine said i'm i'm not going to be at odds with anybody but at the same time i'm not i'm not going to agree with somebody from a particular segment of our hunting population when they're wrong. I'm not just yeah. going to say, okay, no problem and move on. Um, we need some, you know, we need to lock arms, but we need to lock arms and call each other out when we're doing something that's not correct or inherently wrong or possibly, uh, you know, morally wrong, of course, and illegally wrong. But, uh, when something right. isn't just right, we need to uh, hold each other accountable. And exactly. and when we are, we need to, if we're held accountable ourselves, we need to recognize that and say, hey, you're right, and let's move forward thus with locked arms. And, it, and it, we need strength in numbers. Exactly. And w- one
1: thing that concerns me so much about the attitude of the organized bear hunters uh, being opposed to, allowing more hunters to spend time in the field hunting is it, it's more of a the attitude that you expect from anti-hunters rather than from hunters. That That's what concerns me.
0: Oh, absolutely. That of attitude in, um,
1: especially when we have a growing bear population that is not going to be harmed at all. It's going to be, in fact, better managed by harvesting more animals. What Another of my big concerns with allowing a bear population to increase uh, infinitely without any population goal in mind is we're going to reach a point where a person's going to be seriously injured or killed by a bear. It hasn't happened often. Black bears are not a major threat to people. But there are some animals that are more aggressive than others. And certainly you know that Females with cubs are very protective of their young. By allowing the bear population to increase unchecked for to whatever level, we're going to reach a point where there's somebody's going to be seriously injured or killed yeah.
0: because we are carrying too many bears. Yeah, those are some very valid points, and I uh, yeah, we don't want to see that it come to that. Um, I mean, that can happen with a low number, a high number, but as we know, statistically speaking. Um, you know, we're just increasing our odds of, of that taking place. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah well. Right sure. Yeah, it is absolutely. I think everybody would share in that for sure. And uh, well, hey, uh, anything you want to uh, add that we haven't uh, discussed? Uh, anything on well, the I- uh, on the bucket list for uh, Richard P. Smith? I don't know that it's
1: been mentioned. You you probably would mention it in an introduction that I'm a full-time outdoor writer, and I've been writing about bears and bear hunting for over 50 years. I've been hunting bears for over 50 years, and I do have a couple of books out about bear hunting. One is the second edition of Black Bear Hunting, and I also have a book about Understanding Michigan Black Bear uh, that provides a lot of information about the life history and biology of bears in Michigan and how our permit system works in a history of bear attacks and many other things in that book. And I've also produced a DVD on field judging black bears that uh, I get all kinds of compliments on from hunters. Yeah. Uh, as you know, black bears are one of the most difficult big game animals to judge in the field.
0: Yeah. Especially
1: and- for hunters who haven't seen many.
0: Yeah, and you're right, you stole my thunder on the intro of you, but that's okay, <laughs> I would have I would have missed a bunch. And you mentioned uh, something that rang a bell with me too, is uh, your books and your DVD on judging. We carry those right in camp, it's particularly the DVDs, and a guy will or a gal will call and say, hey, is there anything you suggest I do before I come into camp? I said, yeah, uh, look on Richard P. Smith's website, that DVD is extremely affordable and it'll be one of your best tools you have moving forward. And um, now, I, you know, I, I I always say, now, he'll say it in here that every bear is a trophy bear, but this gives you a better opportunity at, uh, if you get an opportunity to harvest one, that you will you'll feel better about that harvest when it takes place.
1: Right, well, I appreciate that, Gary, and uh, my website is richardtsmith.com and uh, the book's in Website. I've written a lot of deer
0: hunting books too. Yes, you have absolutely. Yeah, my dad's got those uh, sitting around the living room. I know he's uh, read those several times as, as well as others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been a treat, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate you taking time out of a busy schedule because probably you have another foot of snow. But since we've last uh, since we started talking, that fell out of the sky. <laughs> no, it's it's a- freezing today, the first time this year that it's been about freezing. Oh, man. So for the next few days, at least, we're not going to have any new snow. Where are, you, where are you putting the snow now? There's got to be, I mean, you're running out of spaces up there. It, exactly. In fact, the sides of my driveway are so high that when you pull out of the driveway, you got to do it very slowly to make sure that somebody sees you're coming and you don't run into somebody. <laughs> Everybody needs a little space. A spotter out there, yeah, For sure. yeah. Well, thanks, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate you sharing this information. And uh, um, hey, if nothing else, we're reminding people uh, in a what a month and a half these uh, bear applications will become available.
1: Yeah, starting May first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it comes at a time that a lot of us it's the last thing on our minds, but. Uh, um, it needs to. If you don't go through that process, you won't be considered. Exactly. Take care and have a uh, have a great day. Thanks, I take care. You too. Thanks, Richard. Yeah. Bye. Folks, thanks for listening today, and uh, well, as your continued uh, support for uh, Wild Game Dynasty's podcast, we're going to continue to make every effort to bring some quality content and that's what it's all about in my book anyways if you have any suggestions shoot me an email Uh, my email and contacts are at wildgamedynasty.com and uh, we're going to be really busy ramping up our uh, turkey hunts and so we're getting uh, a handful of those booked so when that wraps up uh, we're going to probably check out as far as uh, um, availability but uh, we're going to ramp up our uh, recordings, our, our podcasts in advance, so we can push a few out there that have, that we've uh, done in advance. Uh, we don't want to recycle any old content. So, um, anyways, if any of you have any suggestions, as uh, Ross Chambers would say, uh, um, uh, Wild Game Dynasty's peeps uh, I need to reach out and uh, give us a, a, a call, an email, a text, and let us know uh, what we might do uh different or uh, add to what we've already done anyways thanks have a great day